Hello and welcome to the unofficial unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. It has been way too long since we last spoke with you and so I, Dan and my best friend Sarah have come back to discuss with you even more amazing things about women's cycling. Uh, not least of which the what four five categories that we didn't even get a look at until <laughs> yesterday. God, so, <laughs> so the lovely people at fellowvoices.com are putting up a set of voting posts for um, different categories of, of cycling. And they asked me to do some nominations for women's cycling because they're like, yeah, we, we know a bit, but we'd, but we'd really like, you know, some help. I was like, yes, yes, of course I will. And they asked me to nominate five. <laughs> <laughs> five per category. <laughs> Which, which had, you then magically I, were able to invent two new ca- categories or subcategories because the categories weren't enough to fit the whole peloton in. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then like we 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 spent an hour talking about the first category just a couple of days ago, which Rider of the Year I think deserves it. And about four minutes after we finished recording, Sarah's like, "Oh my god, I was completely wrong. I need to change something." So I last. <laughs> I was completely wrong because our Rider of the Year shortlist was Izzy Armitstead, Megan Guarnier, Anna van der Breger, Chloe Hosking, and Annemiek van Vleuten. Um, and our Rider of the Year rightly was Megan Guarnier, rightly in my mind. <laughs> but then I got off the I got off the Skype and I realised, hang on a minute, Chantal Black, Chantal Black, Chantal Black, Chantal Black. Oh my God, Chantal Black. Yeah. I'm wrong. Chantal Black's got to be in there, so the Rider of the Year category is now six. <laughs> I, I love two things about this. One, you decide uh, after the fact that you're wrong. Two, you decide that you need to go and correct it immediately, so you update the, the post and the, with the podcast on it, uh, telling everyone that you're wrong. And three, and this is my favourite one by far, your solution is not to swap out one of the writers that we already decided was in the shortlist, it's just make the list bigger. I fully expect that around about two hours from now, you'll actually update that original post and it'll be seven. <laughs> <laughs> Some people have tried to persuade me that I need more. Well, the thing is, I couldn't. Okay, to be fair to me, if I'd have taken one of those riders out, that would have been very unfair because we agreed them together, Daniel. Oh, right, right. Suddenly I get a vote. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because I'd have been swapping one of your riders out, one yeah. of the ones you put you want to put on the list, and that's not fair. Uh, you'd have swapped Megan Guardier. <laughs> no! Anyway, so... Valor Voices, the lovely people at Valor Voices, and especially Kitty Fondue, who's awesome. Um, they've got a podcast. They've got great. They've got great Twitter. They've got a great website. Um, the categories they asked me to do were great best race finish, um, unsung heroes, and breakthrough rider. Yep. Now, I um, okay. Best race finish, fine. Unsung heroes. I divided into domestiques and people who helped me follow the racing. Because I think that that's, those are two different questions um, to me. Yeah. And then in terms of breakthrough rider, we decide. I decided. I decided that they are that breakthrough rider is rider who it's definitely their breakthrough season. Yeah, yep. like it's the one that we'll all look back on and go, "Wow, yes, that was when they arrived." But I created the category of step up rider for people who've had their break breakthrough season and who took a big step up last time but have stepped up again. Mm, mm. 
indeed. Um, and you know, have had one of those years that you know isn't necessarily the the year that we first noticed them, but is a year that we're definitely taking notice of. Oh yeah, it's people who have shown that 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 that, that they're. Their result and their early results. Their results could have been a long time ago as well, mm. because there's some riders on that list whose whose first good results were a long time ago. Yeah. They've been in the peloton for a while, and then others who've been taking like an incremental step up every season. So I want to talk about those later. So we're going to try and get through all of those. This is us. Yeah, wish us luck. Um, <laughs> and and, and also, as always, pour yourself a large, strong drink. Yes, Dan has, it's Dan's Saturday night in Australia, so Dan is, if you hear the sound of, of pouring wine, that's him, if you hear the sound of pouring tea, that's me, because it's very early in the morning, on Saturday morning, but this is yes. how much I love you all. Oh, this is how much I love you all, I have a bottle of medicine, and I am neglecting all of my social responsibilities to be here with you this evening, so. <laughs> Dan has a rich and varied social life that he's um, not living up to. Uh. Just this is the first time ever that I've not lived up to the potential. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, this is probably the first weekend in weeks that you haven't done karaoke at the weekend. Um. Well, the weekend's not over, so. Excellent. Well, if we're really lucky, dear listener, Dan's medicine will have hit hit him, and he'll do karaoke for us because apparently he is very, very good at karaoke. I don't have enough medicine to to kick that off here. So anyway, moving on to more important things. Okay, so best race finish. Yep, um, easy, Strada Bianchi. I loved Strada Bianchi. Now, this was really hard for me because the top, because we kind of banged in, we kind of got, I, I think I could get four really quickly. Well, actually, no, that's not true. Let me see how, mu- how much have I got my shortlist. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, <laughs> fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. 19 on my shortlist. Yeah, uh, that's not called you're doing it wrong, Sarah. That's not oh, called shit. a shortlist anymore. That's called that's... a long list. Yeah. And that's also... And in, and some, I think... in some circles, it's also called the calendar. <laughs> I, I think that I've actually got more on my shortlist. I just remembered two more that I need to actually remind myself of. I've got more on my shortlist than there are races in the World Tour. Yeah, yeah. Colour me absolutely surprised. But... Can I say why, though? Because this year we have had more women's live racing than ever before. Like, even with the two races that we'll talk about that were a bit disastrous, we've had more live racing than ever before, and it's been very exciting. And and it's just... And I love it, because at one point I was a little bit worried, because so many of these races happen in our imagination, yeah? And I was a little bit worried that maybe races are better when you're imagining them than when you're watching them. Because, you know, that, that whole thing about fiction that, you know, you have to, that, that the reader has to do a lot of the work, yeah? yeah? Yeah. And when we're watching races on Twitter and we're talking about it with our friends and we're, um, you know, just just being, uh, just just being, all, you know, just, just having a really good time and trying to work out what's happening and waiting with bated, waiting with bated breath for the next update, mm. it's, it's, I just find that super exciting and yeah well it's a different kind of suspense than um you know than when you get to to watch it live um and i guess that's i guess well for me that's what the answer to your question turned out to be that you know it's it's same same but different same same but different but yeah but but just i still love it and i was so relieved because i do sometimes worry what if i stop loving it oh my god so um best race so strade bianchi strade was the first round of the women's world tour Mm. um it's it's beautiful isn't it it's It's stunning 
gorgeous scenery, beautiful roads, amazing, you know, regardless of the conditions, it's always going to be a hell of a race. And, um, you know, it's it's just beautiful and uh, great finale this year. So Yeah, so, the, so there were tons of attacks. There was, um, and, and the, and the, but the key move kicked off about 30k from the end. And it was a move that we saw a lot of, and I really love Wild Bowls Dolmens definitely crushed the season. They had over 40 UCI wins. That's Just say that again, because that's ridiculous. Over 40 UCI wins this season. And they were just... they, they And they completely owned the Spring Classics. There was no question about it. They won the first five World Tour races in the Spring Classics in a row. Mm. But... But... The team that I think animated the Spring Classics most were Rabo Live, and what I love about Rabo Live is that this happens every season. They they do a lot of attacking. They're very aggressive, and it hasn't paid. It doesn't necessarily. It doesn't pay off to wins because bowls were so strong. But I'm so happy they carry on doing that, and I say this a lot. But what they were doing this season, especially, was this one-two attack that we saw a lot happening between Cassiano Doma and Anna van der Breggen, and in yep. Strade. Van der Brega attacked first, and then when she was, and then then working off the speed of riders chasing her back, almost immediately Neodoma went, and this was this was just a theme throughout the whole se- throughout the whole season. And I love them working in partnership together. It's what they used to do with Mariana Voss. It's it's that beautiful move. It's not unique to Rabo, but they do it best. So Neodoma was gone. Only two riders could follow her: uh, Elia Hansen and Lizzie Dalen. Lizzie Armstead. It's a hell of a group, and especially you know when you when you look at um, the conversation that we had about Rider of the Year, these are all riders that we mentioned in that conversation. Like, oh, they're brilliant! But you end up with Neodoma and Armitstead now, and Johansson. Johansson is not working in the front break at all, like not working weird, at all. Weird, so unlike her. No, she's just doing it to wind up Lizzie because she knows, Emma Johansson knows that in that break, she's at a loss here because it ends with the beautiful climb up Siena, up those beautiful roads in Siena, up through the World Heritage Centre town. And she knows that Katia Nodoma is a insanely good climber and that Lizzie Armitstead has this very short, punchy climb, Yeah. Emma Johansson knows the only way that she can win is by one of them making a mistake or by winding them up. And she also yep. knows that Lizzie Armstead is very easily wound, wind upable in a break. <laughs> well, some, some would argue in other situations as well, but, you know, we'll leave it to the, the relevant one for now, I guess. <laughs> so they get to the, so they get to the bottom of the hill and they almost come to a standstill. And this is where Lizzie is so clever because I think that had they come hooning into that corner and hit the hill at sp- bottom of the hill at speed i reckon it was neodomas yeah because she's the best climber right but they end up playing mind games at the bottom uh armitstead danon is is just it gets them gets them like oh gets, he's got right in their head mm. and then she goes neodoma tries to follow but she's not so good as at going from a you know, going for going from a almost yeah. sta- almost standstill armitstead danon wins neodoma second johansson third awesome finish you know like you say it was like it was it was track style games you know almost a standstill just really really putting the pressure on each other and um and then a punch out for the win it was just i love that finish obviously easily best race finish of the year there can't be even any other contenders 
that's not true. You told me one almost immediately which you wanted in the list. Thanks for helping me build the suspense of the cast. Jeez. I think I think when I've told them there's when I've told people there's like nineteen or twenty or or thirty <laughs> races on my short list, I don't think they're going to be that um, surprised. That too. surprised. <laughs> no. Well, continuing on in March, I mean, you can't ignore Binder either. That was another screamer of a finish. Ah, oh, Binder. Binder is one of my favourite races. Um, most of these it's interesting because most of these races that I've got down there are, are races that also have men's races too but binder is a standalone women's race well it's not a standalone women's race because it's part of a weekend with junior men's racing and what i love most is in the morning before binder they have the junior women get to race on the same roads as the elite women and it's been won by amelie diederickson who we'll come on to later um and it's just lovely and so it's a standalone it's been going for over 20 years it's an awesome race it was part of the women's world cup road world cup and so it's a natural part of women's world tour they ride around the veracy hills um in various different bits with lots of hills in the beginning very attritional and at the end they end up on laps around chitiglio with a uh vicious little two climbs the second climb is really steep and thigh biting but it's got a very 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 vicious descent Mm-hmm. And it's um, one of those. It's one of those races that is. It's it's sort of. I mean, not just iconic because of its history in women's cycling, but iconic because it also highlights that kind of classic way that women often race, where it's just brutally attritional, and you have you know a huge number of riders just suffering and dropping off the back the whole way round as attack after attack gets put in, um, and you get a, a bunch really battling it out at the front. Yeah, and it's that thing about women's racing and attack. Sometimes when people are fans of men's cycling, they get a bit confused about the attacking in women's cycling because it's it's endless and it can be it can be endless and brutal. And sometimes it's not like the early stuff isn't about getting away, although of course getting away is good. It's about dropping everyone else off and exhausting them. Remember, women's races only have six riders. Women's teams only have six riders, whereas men's have eight and nine in the um, Grand Tours and the big races. Yep. So, you you know, so losing riders because they've chased back is a really big deal. But also exhausting exhausting your 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 enemies your enemies. <laughs> but it's 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 there's, so there's lots of and because women's races are much much shorter than men's as well. So your men's races can be two hundred and fifty fifty k. Or the day before Binder, you have uh, Milano San Remo, which is uh, three with three hundred k. Yeah. And uh, so these women's this one this this is about 123 kilometres, and they're they're allowed to be maximum 135. So they've got a lot more energy to use because women are more than capable of riding the same distances as men. They just train for these very short races, mm. so they use that racing up in attacking, which is why women's racing is is pretty much a different discipline to men's, um, though they have lots in common. Um, but it's a bit like, you know, it's a, when you look at women's racing, it's a bit like the difference between a classics and a grand tour and, you know, a sprint stage and a mountain stage. And, you know, different people love different things. And mm. this is why I love um, women's racing. So, yeah, so they end up. So they do lots of attacking, but like, the, you know, and they and, you, and what's happened is, is Binder is a race that's been won every way from solo emma pooley lunatic attacks that she rides 100 kilometers by herself and wins (laughs) through to quite large groups on the finish line it's got like an uphill finish it's got this great lap um 
Anyway, when they came to the last lap, there were eight riders. Yep. They had two from Bowles, that's Lizzie Danen, Megan Guarnier, two from Rabo, Anna van der Bregen, and Katazia Kashinuodoma. They've got Olina Amulusik from Canyon Stram, who's a great climber. Um, Annemiek van Vleuten from, uh, from Orica AIS, who's just who's a classics rider who's won the Women's World Cup. Uh, Women's World Cup is what happened before the Women's World Tour, so it's like a series of day races, classics. Yep. Emma Johansson, of course, from Wiggle High Five, and um, Yolanda Neff. Which, I mean, Yolanda Neff is one of those riders who, I mean, I've, I've learnt a lot about from you talking about her on mountain bike. But, you know, particularly this early in the road season, it's not really um, a position that I would have initially expected to see her in. Yeah, Yolanda Neff is one of the best cross-country mountain bike riders in the world. Yeah, yeah. she's... Um, and there's this interesting thing, because she and Paulina Fran-Provost, um, you'll remember Pauline Fran-Provost from winning the... from winning the 2014 Road World Championships and then the 2015 Cyclocross and Cross Country Mountain Bike World Championships, making her the first rider ever to hold all those three jerseys at the same time. Yeah. Um, so Pauline Fran-Provost and Yolanda Neff are big rivals in mountain bike. They're both... Uh, Neff is like one year younger. I think she's 23, 24 this year. Um, and Neff has had a... And, and like both of them cross discipline but neff is more of of cyclo uh, more of mountain bike neff has won the mountain bike world cup twice series twice with um, tons and tons of wins but she tends to go to pieces in the big world in the big world championship race so while she was under 23 world champion like i don't know three or four times she's not she you know she she it's it was a lot of pressure on her at the olympics it was a lot of pressure on her at worlds and it just doesn't come together for that but when she's riding work riding road she's riding for Saveto Futon, a very small um badly reputation to be honest um italian team yeah. and she can do what she wants at this stage the the, the mountain bike world champion the world mountain bike season doesn't start until later for the world cups so at this point in the year she's just having fun mm. and you could tell so they're on the last lap. It's about 30, 11 to 13 kilometres long. They drop Van Vlerten. They drop Danen. They're on the last climb, which gives them about, oh, you know, no more than eight kilometres, but I think about six to go. And Neff just attacks out of this elite group because she can, because she's yeah. just riding for fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, she's, so she goes up this, up this climb together. Behind her, they're chasing, but they've got but but Lizzie Danen, who's been dropped on that climb, comes back, passes the group, attacks, gets up to Neff, and the pair of them use their exceptional descending skills to scream down this descent together into the finish. Mm. And they're working a bit together, they're working together, but then they come to this uphill finish. Danen just bombs it. Behind them, the group is just thundering towards them. Neff's dying on this like slight uphill finish line oh. dying behind her megan guarnier sees her catches her overtakes her just on the finish lines and comes second so it's a bowls one two with lizzie danen winning such an amazing finish it was so painfully close i mean it, it's one of those ones like i just feel so much for for yolanda neff not you know managing to hold on for second but you know it, you can't fault anyone it was just a bloody great race 
Oh, so good. And I recommend it. And now, the, both of these races are in Italy, so they have long highlights from Rye. Neither of these were live because they, um, they're on at the same time as other races. But they have at least half an hour highlights um, in Italian that you can see. If you go to our site, prowomencycling.com, we've got a post with all of these top fives in it, and it's got links to these races. You can watch all the videos. The videos are fantastic. So um, two more races that I think we have to put in. One, you suggested it, and I wasn't sure about it, but you were right, and that was the Olympic road race. Yeah, look, I mean, I I get the the hesitancy, but the thing is that when I think of, you know, best race finish, I think of fiercely competitive race with intense drama and an incredible, you know, finish. And it certainly had all of that. I mean, if, if, the, if Annemiek van Vleuten's crash had happened you know when she was further back in the pack or or whatever else i still would have wanted to include this race because the the way it finished was just bonkers so do you want to we, we talked about it last time so we won't get into sure. too much detail yeah, no, well, we don't need to go into heaps of detail but yeah basically um so <clears throat> after lots of attacks and and all of that sort of stuff um, Annemiek van Vleuten was out ahead slightly with Mara Abbott. Um, they came to the main descent uh, due to conditions and, and going for it. Annemiek was separating from Mara, but crashed Because out. Mara Abbott can't, can't, uh, Mara Abbott can't descend. Basically. Annemiek van Vleuten absolutely yeah. can descend. And, and Annemiek van Vleuten, she's one of the top ITT riders in the world. But the problem is, is because she's Dutch... And generally, women only get like maximum two spots in like things like Worlds and Olympic ITT. She doesn't get as many chances to race because ahead of her there's Anna van der Breger and Ellen van Dijk, who are who are you know who are even better. So so basically, at this point, Annemiek had made almost as soon as they hit the descent, Annemiek had made bags of time on 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 Mara Abbott. Yeah. Yeah, and and quite honestly, was you know the the script the scripted version was that Annemiek was going to solo away, win by you know somewhere between three and four minutes, pretty comfortably. Um, you know, Mara was going to get caught by the chase group, and there's going to be a sprint among the chasers for the minor places, and possibly two Dutch riders on the peloton because on the podium because yep. behind Mara Abbott, you've got uh, Megan Gua- sorry, Emmy Johansson, Anna van der Breger. And Elisa Longo Borghini. Now, Elisa Longo Borghini is a very interesting rider. She's a fantastic classic star. She was ill this season, but she's a previous Ronde van Vlaanderen winner. She's a previous world's uh, bronze medalist. She's only like 25 or 26. Mm. But Elisa, she doesn't win very often, but when she wins, it's huge. Yep. Uh, Emma Johansson is, the, is just, she's had a very long career um, of being excellent in classics and Anna van der Breger she's the former um she's she's last year's Giro Rosa winner um this year's Flesh on winner all just stunning stunning rider so yeah. these three are the best riders in the world but van der Breger like I said is one of the best time touch trialers in the world so is Elisa Longo Borghini and Emma Johansson has got a bloody good time trial on her too so it did look a bit it did look it, it was very bad for Mara Abbott. It was, because... it was very bad for Mara, and, and it looked all but done. I mean, Mara's best play was to stick as close to Annemiek and, and, and try and get back to her, which wasn't going to happen, or get into that group and then battle it out for one of the minor places. But, as I say, and as we all know, the, the script got thrown out the window. Um, Annemiek crashed, which was tragic. Um, 
And leaving that aside, Mara uh, continued on then in the race lead, and suddenly she was going from this situation where, as we've just discussed, she was basically all but guaranteed uh, a bunch sprint for the minor places if she was able to hold on to that small group as they caught her. You know, it, it's a big if. And all of a sudden, she's racing for the win for Olympic gold. And I have enormous respect for Mara's climbing ability in the high mountains. She's she's genuinely best in the world at the moment, one of the best of all time. Um, but this was not a course that immediately offered itself up to her. So the way she turned herself inside out, riding with, like, you know, that, that thing that cyclists occasionally do that transcends pain it transcends suffering it transcends everything in your brain saying no stop this isn't good and just becomes this kind of primal thing on the bike of just just continuing to go and she was in that state and it was very clearly she very obviously so uncomfortable she was she was giving it you know it, it's a it's a cliche that gets used you know far too readily but she was quite obviously and quite literally giving it everything she had like there was no doubt when you saw mara in this race that that there wasn't a single thing that she could have given more than she gave um and she held on until almost the last 300 meters you know inside the last 500 um and she was she was finally caught by the chase group uh, which you know is must have been a, a huge blow for her, but like full credit to the effort to hold on that long because you know according to the script that she didn't have a prayer of lasting that long, and um, and we saw Anna van der Breg across the line and and take the win, but but mostly and primarily only really having concern for news of Anna Meek, and it was just yeah we talked about, and we talked about it last week that last time that that this wasn't a finish that Anna van der Breger should have won if mm. we're talking the scripts in the script from that group it should have been Johansson but Anna van der Breger first Anna Johansson second Elisa Longo Borghini third just gorgeous gorgeous podium yeah yeah great great finish I and mean tragic just but as I said at the start everything that you want from it you know lots of drama great racing you know, I mean, yes, there was an absolute moment of tragedy in all of it. I mean, thank goodness Anamik turned out to be okay, but it was a hell of a finish. So was. Mm. Yeah. Um, the next one we put in was Worlds. And it's interesting because the other races we've talked about have had great courses and Worlds was a terrible course. The women, yeah. like two of my two of my possible options on my very 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 short list were at the ladies tour of qatar which is the first it's always the the, i mean they have the australian season they have um the tour of san luis in argentina but the ladies tour of qatar is like the first race that all the, the big teams rock up to yeah yep and normally it's endless attacking, really, really exciting, explosive racing in the desert because they'll have stages which have like maximum five corners, for example. But they just ride the wind and it's an absolute masterclass in echelon yeah. riding, gutter right putting people into the gutter. Brutal. And, so I had little things like, I mean, little things that become big things like being sure that you're in the right road position when you turn a certain way at, a, at an intersection, yeah. you know, like like because of the wind that's the kind of wind it is that you want to make sure you're on the right side of the road 
yeah and it's and it's they when they have these races with very few corners it's almost as much of a vicious sprint to get to the corner first mm, mm. because everyone knows just like in the men's in the men's road race everyone knows that when you get to that that corner that that one corner the race is going to absolutely blow to pieces the yeah. dutch are going to dutch riders are just going to kill it um with echelon action and it's going to be brutal and if you know that kind of thing where you you lose like a couple of centimeters um on the rider ahead of you and suddenly you're gone and you're yeah. lost and you yeah. can never come back that's not what the qatar road so i've got stage two and stage three of qatar are in my are in my are in my top list of stages i really liked and again we saw them live on um slightly yeah. dodgy ways um the women in qatar didn't get to ride the desert so no. we didn't get to see any of that qatar action they had that awful course through the um you know dystopian science fiction what weird you, you described zombie it as like a william william gibson novel kind of thing. so it's yeah. like it's like they want to build the, 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 the place is like they want it to be built by william gibson nanotechnology you know let's build an island yeah um reclaim it from the sea um and then build these then build a fake venice on it and stuff like that but then it's also jg balayan and if you've ever if you've read um millennium people and high rise and all those novels where where people live in these where 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 this being cut off into a strange um a strange environment sends people completely bonkers and then he also has fantastic science fiction novels about fight for water which is you know very appropriate so yeah it's a post zombie apocalypse it's basically the qatar world championships looked like it took place after the zombie apocalypse and someone has put a bike race into it to prove that it's safe and that we can go out again yeah i could i could actually see that happening and you know i could yeah i couldn't say for sure i wouldn't watch so yeah. <laughs> it's it's when they come out of it's it's part of the bits the course is extraordinary because it's got those sections where um uh they were building a beach resort back in 2012 when uh, qatar as a whole there's no alcohol sales except for in very limited places but they were going to allow alcohol sales on the pearl and then they changed their mind so the people who are going to build the beach resort just went <laughs> fuck it no and stopped building so you've got these like half-built places. Anyway, weird, weirdest, pla- weirdest course, very bad course. Um, lots and lots of twists and turns. No chance to get away. Of course, the Dutch. I think the Dutch rode perfectly. I, they, I, they, I, I absolutely agree. I don't think you can fault the way the Dutch rode at all. I mean, and they rode that race. As, I mean, they rode that race as well as they could do. I mean, I, I'm a bit dubious about putting worlds on the list because it was it was such a terrible course, but. Yeah, but see, this is the thing. This isn't this 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 category isn't best race. It's best race finish. Yeah. And yes, exactly. That's the thing. the The finish of this race was just fucking phenomenal, and that's a technical so, term. So, so tons and tons of Dutch race, t- Dutch Dutch winning, um, Dutch Dutch riding, Dutch attacks. Uh, no one going with them, which is ridiculous. You know, people are like, oh yeah, but you know, if you go with a, if you go in a, an attack with Mariana Voss, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to win, are you? If you get into a break with Mariana Voss, and it's like, yeah, but if you go in a bunch sprint against Kirsten Field, you're not going to win. Yeah. Except someone did. <laughs> Unless you're Emily Dickerson, in which case, get in a bunch sprint with Kirsten Field as often as you can. I think. 
I mean, yeah, so the Dutch had rode it perfectly. They had this incredible train. They were lining up. Kirsten Veeld is the queen of Tour of Qatar. Maybe they started the sprint a little bit early. Maybe one of their lead-out riders um, was 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 off who they expected to have there. But Marianne Vos as, as, as queen, as, you know, second lead-out rider was, per- was perfect. But... The reason that it was such a great race was behind Veal's wheel was this massive battle for Veal's wheel because every other sprinter knew Kirsten Veal, she's the power sprinter. She's the rider to beat here. If she's there at the end, you really have to be bang on her wheel. And behind her were Lotta Lepisto and Amelie Diedrichsen who were fighting, fighting, fighting for it. Diedrichsen won. And it was just an amazing, amazing sprint. Like just ridiculously um amazing and and again similar to the olympics you know it it didn't follow the script it just didn't and you know what we got instead was was something just stunning just stunning so good and amelie dudrickson 20 years old two times junior world champion this is her second year in the elites elite world champion no time even to celebrate you know just oh uh, Kirsten Veeld seconds, uh, Lotta Lepisto third. If you like sprinting, watch that video. It was just We've got the- phenomenal. Yeah, watch it, watch it over and over and over again. And the two things that stood out to me were that uh, the Dutch and Veeld didn't do anything wrong at all, and Diederikson didn't do anything wrong slightly better. Yeah, um, and Diederikson is was there with a very, very small team. Did you know her coach, um, her coach, the team coach is Catherine Marcel. Catherine Marcel was the first ever junior world, junior road world champion. And before this race was one of only five or six riders to be both junior world champion and elite world champion. Wow. <laughs> and Diederikson. <laughs> Probably some good advice there then. <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But I, I'm super happy for Catherine Marsal as well because she's just a really awesome, you know, really great yeah. person, and I and yeah, and it's and great for um great for Julia Lett and Cecilia Utrop who are supporting um, uh, Diederikson, and great for you know Scandinavian cycling. I mean, we had Scandinavians all over Qatar, yeah. which is completely bizarre because you know they're Scandinavians; they're not supposed to like the, um, <laughs> the desert. Yeah, um, so, not at all. So that's four races who was your fifth right should i just go through who was on my short list okay well all, so all on my short list of them. i had the philadelphia classic no you had the philadelphia classic you put the philadelphia classic on the short list on the longest um, one by thank you on the longest one but one by one by megan guanier i had um you asked about Ronde van Vlaanderen, but I vetoed it because although it was a great race, uh, Flanders was supposed to be streamed live this year, but the telecoms company who was streaming it fucked up, basically. Yeah. And while commentator, uh, Rochelle Gilmore and Yosei Bain were commentating it, we never got to see it. And I'm sorry, but uh, it doesn't count. It's yep, sorry, no. it's, it's, but it's still a great race. Hey, um, hey as the guy who complains annually... Um, or perennially well, also, about also the race that I'm not okay. Just, 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 just shut your ears for a minute because Dan, if, if we, we just can't have Dan's ten minute rounds about flesh on, but flesh on was a wonderful finish. We talked about that last time. Couldn't you can open your though. ears again now. Couldn't see it live. Though, I so loved the final stage of Imakamin Bira, uh-huh. which was in ah oh, pouring rain. I was going to say all it along rained. The, yes. All along the cliffs of the Basque. Oh, you know when you watch a race and you think I really want to go there. 
I really, really want to go there. I want to go on holiday. To, and now I am the Basque country. I always wanted to go to the Basque country anyway. But, oh, my God, Macamimbiri is a beautiful race. And I recommend you look it up because we've got it's just it's just stunning. Um, beautiful. And it was won by um, won by Megan, won by Megan Guarnier and um who was in a bunch in a group with of of eight with Hannah Solovey second and Ashley Moon Passio third, Emma Johansson, Lisa Logaborghini, riders like that. Um I've got all the races I was at. So I had I am in love with the Energy Walk Tour anyway and I'm super glad that I get to go there and do their live tweet do live tweeting for them. But the Energy Walk Tour is fantastic. It's like the first European stage race of the season. I think it's called the Age Well Tour next year and it's 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 just oh brutal sprinting, brutal attacking. Everything was wonderful, but yeah. Um Tiffany Cromwell winning stage four of the Giro. Yep, that was a good race. Yep. Uh Georgia Bronzini winning stage one of the Giro, one of um, one of two stages she won this year. I love that. That was that was that was glorious. Um, all of the Aviva Women's Tour, but you know I was doing live TV commentating for that, and I just so I maybe I'm You're maybe I'm biased about bias? that. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, open to Swedford Gorda, part of, the, and we'll come on to that later. Ronda Van Drenter, which was. On, which has cobbles it has a man-made hill out of landfill it's one of the world tour races and it ended up with four riders going into the end sprint one by chantal black um that was great uh but the race i really 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 loved most i think more than all of these was gp pluet ah pluet yes yes okay uh, Plouet, if you don't know it, there's a men's race and a women's race. It is in spectacular countryside. They 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 pile around this. Um, they have this climb in the middle that looks like it's on a dual carriageway, sort uh, of towards the end, like five or six kilometres towards the end, which is always just super attacky. And that had the, one of my favourite ever race moments was when uh, Marianne Vos, Emma Johansson, Yuda Arndt, and Emma Pooley were out together. Um, Pooley, every time they went over the hill, was like, oh, I'm suffering, I'm suffering. (laughs) And there's this moment where Mariana Voss looks back over her left shoulder and Emma Pooley attacks up the right-hand side. Voss takes a moment to realise what's happening because, you know, she's looking back behind her. By the time she tries to chase her, can't do it. And Emma Pooley's gone on ahead and won. And um, I think she won twice, and that's why it's called the GP to Pooley. Uh, Mariana Voss has also won twice. But this race was just attacking, 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 attacking. It had Lizzie Danen being super domestic. It had Cassiania Doma attacking hundreds of times on the hills. But it, it came down to this, between that last climb broke up the peloton but they all came back together in the last kilometers and there was about oh i want to say 15 riders in the mix at the end and it had um but you had some big riders like you had your longo borghini's your newer domers your megan guanier um, oh yeah it had it had yeah. it, but it also had some really really top sprinters so you had uh, joel newmanville from Savella bigler um, Kilia Kirchman from Liv Planter, uh, just who are, who are fantastic sprinters. Obviously, Mariana Voss. Everyone in this group is looking at Mariana Voss. 
which is a mistake because she's at the back of the group and obviously not having a good day. She has a very bad year. And Eugenia Bujak from BTC City Ljubljana um, goes, you know what? I can wait and come into a bunch sprint with this lot or I can just go now. And so she opens her sprint early up this draggy uphill finish and makes it to the end. Wow. Now, she nearly doesn't because Eleanor Cicchini, was, who's one of my favourite riders, was saying that she was going to be on Voss's wheel, but she realised that Voss had got boxed in and this was maybe a mistake. So she's right at the back of this group, sees Bujak go, piles through the, through the group and just on the line is just second on the line with, with Numenville third, um, Cassie Numadoma fourth, Garnier fifth. But had that been like another 50 metres, I think Cicchini would have won it. But massive massive congratulations to Eugenia Bujak because that was a totally if you don't try you can't win moment yeah yeah and BTC City Ljubljana is a very small development team set up for Eastern European riders and especially Slovenian riders to be able to try to get to become pro cyclists and in pretty much every race we've seen BTC City Ljubljana riders just give it a go you know and and it's normally doomed and it's but this time it wasn't. This is Bujak's by far her biggest win of the career, by a long way. The first um, Polish rider to win. No, we hadn't had a Polish rider win a World Cup, a uh, Road World Cup. First Polish rider to win a World Tour race, which everyone assumed would be Cassia Nieudoma. Yeah, yeah. Like just, yeah, that was my that was my last race of the year. Awesome, awesome. Which, so out of those, then which which do you have for best finish? Oh. I don't know. Which do you have for best finish? It's a tough one, isn't it? It's a really tough one. I was I was only half tongue in cheek when I said, you know, at the start, Strade, nothing could beat it, Binder, nothing could beat it, because it kind of was like that for the year. Like, Strade was an amazing finish. Binder was just mind-blowingly incredible. Uh, the Olympics was peak drama. The... I'm picking Strade. Yep. Carry on. Um... But I, I keep for me it comes down to two and and I keep flip flopping to be honest. Um, I, Which two? I keep yeah, I'm going back and forth between uh, Binder and the world champs. I keep going back and forth between Binder and Strade. So should we say Binder? Well, I guess that's the consensus, isn't it? I mean, yeah. yeah, but it's similar to our Rider of the Year conversation. There are so many good finishes, and you can make strong cases for for all of them um i'll be curious to hear what other people think and and have pegged as their favorite oh yeah yeah please do tell us if you disagree with this we'll these five will go up for velo voices vote but you can talk to us on prowomencycling.com our blog you can talk to us on twitter i'm underscore pigeons underscore dan is dan w official and we'd love to know because the most interesting part of this is the conversation i think Mm, mm. so please please feel free to tell us we're wrong or we're right or but sarah really did you see this race or this is why i love this race it wasn't the most like you know well, I mean, this is the whole thing about best of lists is they're, they're very subjective by their nature anyway. I mean, we, we had this about the, the last conversation where um, a few people raised eyebrows and raised questions about us, including Lizzie Danen on our, our Writer of the Year shortlist. Um, you know, and, like, I understand where they're coming from. Um, but... Yeah, they, they raised that. They, they basically said that because Lizzie Danen had had those three missed tests... Um, which was then uh, Cass agreed went down to two missed tests 
that Danan shouldn't have been on the Rider of the Year list because Rider because she you know she damaged the reputation of women's cycling and Rider of the Year should be more than that and and I see where they're coming from in terms of the whole thing about Danan's mistest. I still think she wasn't dirty, but you know I you know me. Yep. I'm a bit of an optimist. I think she was. It was more. You know, the rules don't apply to her, and technically, she only has two because Cass agreed that exactly. one of them was. So, but I think that her racing was so phenomenal that she has to be on my rider of the year list because we've got yeah. two of those. Two of those where she was where both Binder and Strade, which she won beautifully, like just. Yeah. That the, I th- I can't say she's not. No, I I can't. She say... should. I can't say that she doesn't. Sorry. I think she belongs on the short list, on the list of five. I don't think she'll win the votes, but I think that we have to recognise how incredibly good her riding was this year because her riding was phenomenal. And I think I liked her. I think I liked her best when she came back after the Olympics and having been worked for, only been, only been in races where she was the leader watching her domestique in Plouet and domestique in Bowles Rentals Ladies Tour and domestique in Vigoda and stuff like that made me think, yeah, I I, I really, it just made me, you know, yep. I liked it. Yep. No, absolutely. Um, and and I, I agree, you know, uh, particularly the CAS ruling, you know, it's part of the, the whole system, you know, so it's basically all intents and purposes the same as not having caused a violation, in which case we wouldn't have heard about it. And therefore, I don't feel we can punish her for something that she's technically not guilty no. of. So, and it is interesting that we shouldn't have known about it. Now, I'm not yeah. saying that we. Sh- I, I, I'm not. I, I don't agree with this because I think it's. I think. I think. Um, but the other thing is, is we don't know how many other riders have, you know, <laughs> missed, missed, have missed, have missed. Te- but I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm not justifying it. No, no. I'm just I mean, saying. I think it's. That's exactly interesting. It's exactly my point, though, is that we don't have to justify it because that's it's already like, been done by. Yeah, by it's the like the Bradley Wiggins. It's like the Bradley Wiggins TUEs, you know, like like those. Well, yeah. no, it's 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 you know that that we that it's it's random that we know about some things and not others. Anyway, speaking of domestiquing, yes, the next category is unsung heroes, which I put well, down as super domestiques. I'm I feel really positive about this because we've only taken forty five minutes to get through our first category this time round. <laughs> I said to Sarah before we started that we'll be lucky if it only goes an hour and a half, and I think we're on track, so... Yeah, so, <laughs> I... The thing I find fascinating about super dom- about domestic about unsung heroes, so unsung heroes to me is the riders who are domestics who work really, really hard for their teammates' wins, but didn't necessarily win themselves. But the trouble is, I do have three of those riders who did win themselves this year. It's just they were also such amazing domestics, and that's because, again, women's uh, psych because they have teams of six uh and also not so many teams as the men so you get like a lot more of the t- squashed together in top teams so bowls dolmans rabo live wiggle high five um all have riders who you'd you know they're the domestique riders are riders who would be need riders in you know if this were the men's if this were the men's the men's world but i have on my list well I mean, again, originally I started out with like three from uh, Bowles, but I narrowed it down to two, <laughs> and those are Ellen Van Dyke and Christine Mayerus. Okay, well, excellent choices, excellent choices. I think it's an interesting point, you know, um, as you say, when uh, you get writers that are actually quite well known, 
um, for their own races doing so much work. Um, and it's it's an odd kind of kind of wrinkle. Um, so you know, like Ella Van Dyke is not a rider that I would immediately leap to, but when you actually look at what she's done, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and she's so so strong. I mean, Ellen Van Dyke is she's uh, she was a 2013 ITT World Champion. She's won the Ronde van Vlaanderen, but she is just. And this year, she won a stage of the Ladies Tour, de, Tour of Qatar. She was second, behind, sorry, she was third behind her teammate Romy Casper. She won the Energy Walk Tour um, off the back of her, the, her, the TTT and the ITT. Uh, she won the ITT stage at Turningen Runfart. She famously was in the Olympic Games and ITT where she was I think on track to win but she spun off the course into the jungle before the first just at the bottom of the first of the of the big climb on the Grimari circuit mm. which oh and she came fourth yeah but I think she would have won it because that was that was the worst place to come off because you then have to start the climb from a standing start she had climbing's not the thing that she's yeah. best for yeah gutting um she won uh she was third second overall in the bowls rentals ladies tour she was the european itt champion she was part of the but she also bowls dolmans they had 40 races and the reason that she's my domestique of the year one of my one of my unsung heroines was the work that she put in in the olympic games and in the world championship road race and in all the races like um ronda van vlaanderen she was sixth which was won by Lizzie Armitstead with Chantal Black third. Kent Wevelgem, she was um, eighth, which was won by uh, well, won, won by her teammate Chantal Black. But just but the way she, with the way that she rides it, she rides so hard, and she's such a good domestique because she does that thing where she's in the group of chasers. She will attack anyone who tries to chase down her leader. They also know that they've got her there, so they've got to watch her, and it's just beautiful to watch. I love, 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 love Ellen Van Dyke. Um, Ride of the Valkyries plays when in my head whenever she attacks. <laughs> she will bury her, turn herself inside out for her teammates. In the Olympics and in the Worlds, she was just her awesome, awesome self. And I love, love watching her. She didn't get so many results for herself. I mean, when I say all those results that she got, that's unusual for her. And I, you know, I really admire her. Uh, Christine Mayerus is another, but she's in Bowles Dolmans. You sit there and you go, okay, well, you've got to have Lizzie Dane and you've got to have Ellen Van Dyke. You've got to have Chantal Black. You've got to have Megan Guarnier. So there's always not very much space for actual domestiques, but Christine Mayerus is there. She's, um, she's also a sprinter who, um, she, she has, she, she, she's the nearest thing they've got to like a bunch sprinter. Well, apart from Diedrichsen, but we'll get on to her. So she won the first stage of the Viva Women's Tour and she won some small races, but mostly she's just a killer, 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 killer domestic. Um, just, you know, absolutely selfless for bowls. Uh, next on my list, Audrey Cordon Rago. Yep. Wiggle high five. Five, five. Yep. Lovely. Like Audrey Cordon, I asked her about working for others earlier in the year and she said that she'd rather be the best teammate than a bad lead, team leader. Well, that just sums and it up, doesn't it? I mean, she's just with that. She's so good and so strong and 
all the way through the year, people have um, people in Wiggle High Five have been saying, yeah, Audrey, 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 Audrey. You know, she's most well known for when she races with Elisa Longo Borghini in this kind of devastating attack. And it's funny because um, a lot of the times people mistake them together in the past. I think that so, so you, you'll have um, Elisa wearing the fake not Audrey tattoo. <laughs> Which is particularly helpful if your rivals also can't tell them apart because yeah, you know yeah. is that Elisa is that Audrey? Fuck, we've got to face. Um, and then I've got Mariana Voss. Voss. Now, see, when we talk about names that you don't expect to see on this list, and it's not because Voss doesn't work for her teammates. I mean, she's notorious for it. But normally, like in in any other year, rather than the last two. Voss would be too much of a winning rider to be fairly considered here. Voss has owns, owns and owns the Rabo Lift team. Um, Voss lives and breathes cycling, and she has always ridden for her teammates. Like uh, when Annemiek van Vleuten won the Ronde van Vlaanderen, and it was because uh, they were out out in a, in a group with Voss and, and van Vleuten. Uh, another rider attacked Tatiana and Tashina attacked in the final kilometres. Van Vleuten chased, and everyone else just hesitated because they're like, "Fuck! What do we do? We have Van Vleuten up ahead, but we've got Voss grinning at us. She's like the nicest. She's this very quiet, unassuming, lovely person off the bike, but on the bike she's just fucking evil. She's all mind games, psychological warfare, and oh, you want to chase her? That's great for me. <laughs> you know, you can just imagine her laughing out loud when Anamika attacks. You know, she's just, she's just, she, she said that like she won Fleshwell on fit five times, but she said that when her teammate Pauline Frampreveau won in 2014, that that meant more to her than her own fifth win. Wow. You know? Yeah. She's just... And she's had a really... And so she's... She's fantastic because she also bluffs like a fucker. You know? <laughs> so this year... So last year... She, she had a year off the bike last year because she had hamstring injuries. She had recovery issues. She had illnesses. She had a just fucking awful time. Like, awful time. And But when she came back, she's just like... You're like... Everyone else, they can't go, well, yeah, Voss. But look, she looks like she's really strong. Is she yeah. bluffing? Oh, fuck, who knows? Oh, my God. It's Voss, just Jace. <laughs> yeah, and so Voss, she, she supported her team. She supported, um, she came back She came back late. She had a very light season. You know, she won stages at the Amgen Tour California, the Aviva Women's Tour, Turning and Run for But she worked super hard for her teammates, but especially in the Olympics and the World Championships. because say, she her going back and getting all that water in the Olympics? Oh, that was a classic Voss. That was a classic yeah. Voss moment, wasn't it? Because yeah, yeah. she was, she was. Oh, right there, she's stuffing her jersey back with like nine bottles, I and I'm water carrying. She's, she was like, she's this, she's this kind of a rider that, like, when she's domesticking, she's still trying to set domesticking records. I, I guarantee the conversation with the team car was something like her going, "No, I bet I can fit thirty-seven. I can fit thirty-seven. Give me thirty-seven. And they're going, "She's just. We've only got twenty the... bottles, you know." But then she did that thing where practically as soon as she finished handing out the bottles, oh, bottle, 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 she attacked. Yeah, well, it's not her fault. She suddenly felt about half as heavy. <laughs> I, I, 
And the thing that was amazing about it was when she, so she got, she attacked, there was lots of attacks, Mom Trixie Warwick, who, uh, Trixie Warwick and Audrey Cordon trying it, in the Rapture Chula Vista climb. It's a very long climb. It's not what you'd think of as specifically boss-like, but the very long technical descent has Mariana Voss written all over it. Yeah. Like, all over it. Just, yeah. she's the best descender in the world. She's one of the best, male or female, she's just up there. She's just phenomenally terrifying to watch, man. Like, like she's like one of those riders who's completely over the top tube, like her chin's over the front of the handlebars. I, I, like, I go back to our previous comments on this subject where, you know, it's an unconfirmed rumour, okay, I give it that much, but in his heyday, it is said that Fabian Cancellara watched tape of Voss to learn how to descend. <laughs> Voss is awesome. So, yeah, so when she went attacked, and it's like, and this is one of the reasons why the Dutch had it so they had Ellen van Dyke going out in the... Um, in the in the early in the, on the Grumari circuit, ah oh, shit, this is problematic. And Ellen did that in the London Olympics too, of course. Then they have Voss going out, and you absolutely, even though you think, yeah, yeah, we could catch her at the top of the climb, towards the top of the climb, that's too late because she started because she'll she'll take you on the descent. Mm. So it was just so. Then you've got behind her, you had Annemiek van Vleuten and, and Anne van der Breger and Ellen van Dyke just just laughing because yeah. every other team's to get up there um in that when she was in that break now she was in that break with uh and then of course in the world championship she attacked and attacked and attacked no i still think that everyone else lost apart from amelie Diedrichsen, lost the world championships because they wouldn't go with any of the dutch attacks like I, black attack oh, everyone attacked i know van dyke was attacked you'd have the likes of emma johansson and lizzie danen going up and getting to them but not working with them and i i still think that we could have had a not a a, you know but then they're like oh oh well you know i can't i can't go uh, i can't possibly go in a break with voss because she'd win you know bullshit like but this is like take one other rider with you and gamble like you're guaranteed a podium and you know three two on one like you know like it just astounds me that like i don't know uh, Tiff Cromwell, for example, like I didn't get talk to Emmy Johansson and say, "Let's go with whichever Dutch he goes next and see if we can make it stick." Yeah, but or the whatever, thing is, is Tiff know. Cromwell. Tiff, I mean, the Aussies were only riding for a bunch of strength, weren't they? Yeah, that was yeah. The team tech- I was, I was, and- I wasn't being specifically literal about who it could work for. I was sorry, I was just plucking names out of the air. I'm just saying, like two riders from different teams didn't just have yeah. a quick chat and go, "Let's send our our you know breakaway attack riders out with whoever the Dutch is that goes next and see if we can make it work." Like, oh, I mean, Lizzie Dane, yeah, I mean, I, I'm surprised that it wasn't Lizzie Dane and Emma Johansson, uh, Elisa Longo Borghini, <laughs> Megan I mean, Boyer, like, all of the usual suspects. Like, yeah, like, anyway. just amazing, isn't it? Like, like, yeah, I, anyway, it didn't play out that way, so it didn't, you know, yeah. side note, but um, yeah. So, speaking of writers, writer... I was going to say, speaking of writers who, you know, had a bit of a shit year and then, um, sort of came back and, and dug in for their team, um, your last, your last writer is a, a bit of a similar story. Trixie Warwick. Mm. I mean, she's always, always a just spectacular. Very, 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 very clever. Um, she was the junior time trial world champion back in the year. She's been racing since like the mid-90s. She's 35. She's got one of the longest, best 
careers she's always she's the canyon shram road captain she's incredible <laughs> she's tricksy <Yeah. laughs> so funny but yeah um she had that awful she was racing in trofea binder which is such a tricksy work race when she was hit by another bike rider on that descent yeah and crashed so hard that she had various injuries but her kidney was so injured that it had to be removed which honestly was just astounding and i i don't mean this in a in a harsh way at all i i honestly expected that she'd retire off the back of it i mean that's a huge injury to lose an organ i mean it changes your whole life yeah do you know the trixie warwick quote though that i really like fortunately you're born with two kidneys Trixie, it's so Trixie. You can't get more Trixie Warwick. Like she's very, very German. Like mm. if, you know, every stereotype of the Germans of just being plain spoken, no bullshit. Like straight down the line, that's Trixie Warwick. So yeah, um, I, it devastated her team. The whole team yeah. was a bit fucked for the whole season um, because they. She's just not just because they didn't have her in the team, but because you know they're a very tight team, very yeah, strong yeah. and very caring about each other and she's like the heart of the team but she was actually back racing she she was in binder was the 20th of march she was back racing on the 11th of june i just ridiculous just absolutely insane but you know wow just wow worked her heart out for her teammates again like as, yeah, as much because as she could losing one organ wasn't enough she had to risk losing her heart as well by working it out for her team <laughs> But for Lisa Bernauer in uh, in in all over the place, she 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 left the Giro early. I don't blame her. She worked super hard in the Olympic road race. She knew she was out attacking. She was she was oh just Trixie Warwick, wonderful. So those are our unsung hero heroines. Big shout outs also to Katie Hall, who is all of United Healthcare, who's basically just always fantastic. Uh, Georgia Bronzini again, like how can she be an unsung heroine? But she's the road captain for Wiggle High Five. Um, I love the Amelia Fourline's work, but I've put her in a different category. Yeah. Um, Elisa Longo Borghini was also great, super domestique, and then all your domestiques. I really enjoyed Caroline Cannell. I really yep. enjoyed Emilia Moberg uh, racing for. Kirsten Veal, especially in the uh, Prudential Ride London, but yeah, yep. those are our five. Yep. So of those, but, who's who's your who's your top? Oh, there can be oh. only one. Uh, should I go for a classic domestique, or should I go for? I absolutely love Mariana Voss. <laughs> well, we're about to find out in three, uh, two, one. Voss. Nice, nice. I'm going who's with yours? Um, I'm going with Audrey Cordon Rego. I just yeah. Ah, oh, Audrey's ace. I mean, they're, yeah. they're all fantastic. Oh, this is the um, whole thing. Yeah. So, and and again, if you disagree with this, or if you think we forgot someone, because let's be honest, in unsung heroes, odds are really good that we forgot someone. Yes. <laughs> Let us know. Now, when they asked me to do unsung heroes from Velo Rooms, I was like, "Oh, do you mean riders, or do you mean people help us follow the race?" Because I also I've got a separate category of unsung heroes who basically help us follow women's racing. Mm-hmm. and i because you know while we've said we've had more racing than ever before live on tv that doesn't mean that we haven't had to watch most of the races on twitter now these are my sarah Connolly personal people now yeah they're not 
I was also, sorry, I was also going to add that while you've created this category and while you've gone with a shortlist of six rather than five, I think... Five. I've got six here. Oh, this is going to be interesting. All right. Let's I've go. got five. Well, hey, maybe you're looking at a, at an edited list that I didn't see, but hey, that's all right. Maybe I can't count. Maybe. Okay, yeah, carry on. Anyway, um, I was just going to say, the whole point is, I think this is a great addition to um, uh, a list of best of of the year, uh, because these are very much unsung heroes. They do a great deal of work in helping us understand um, and follow racing a lot better, and um a lot of them are people that you may not already know about so i i really like this category i'm a big fan so my first one is richard steeg now okay the other thing is i want to say is just because i haven't got people's names on this list doesn't mean i don't appreciate enough the work that they do Mm. yeah there are so many people who just add to women's cycling all over the place and so if you're listening oh i feel a bit sad sarah hasn't mentioned me it's i i I, you're on my you're going to be on my long list i just don't feel these bad are just these are the top these are the top five people. Yeah. Don't, um, don't feel bad about it at all. I'm not on the list, so you know, like it's... Dan didn't <laughs> even make the long list. So let's start. Richard Stieg, Richie Stieg. Yep. He's the Stieger. He's 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 known as Richie Stieger on the on Twitter. He's the Bowles Dolmans mechanic, and for years, hmm. the way that you follow a race is Richie Stieger sits in the car and he team car. And he tells us what's happening, gives his updates on the racing from the team car. I swear to God, uh, while... he, can, he can tweet blindfolded with his phone in his hand in a black bag while he's adjusting brakes on the move. Like, it's yeah, amazing. As the Bowles, so there are some there are some problems for Richard. One is he's the Bowles Dolman's mechanic, so when there are mechanical things to do, he has to do that first. Yeah. The other thing is that Race Radio doesn't always give you all the information, and Race Radio definitely doesn't tell you who wins the race. Yeah. So if you're in the team car, you just don't know who's won the race because that's. I, I was amazed the first time I was in a team car. I was like, "What the fuck?" And then I realised it's normal. They don't bother telling you because you don't need to know. Yeah. <laughs> So, but Richard, Richard Steger is fantastic, and he, he basically, um, there's a joke among, so I joke about the, um, the Twitter Women's Cycling Detective Club, which is a set of fantastic people who are women's cycling uber fans, I love you all, um, but we joke that the race hasn't properly started until Richard Steger says, um, yeah, kilometre zero, the race has begun. <laughs> he is He's a really friendly guy. He's lovely. He's he's just he's done so much to help us follow the sport. What I find hilarious is when I see other media um, people basically using his tweets and not ever referencing them, but just like pretending they're there, and you yeah. know that they're not. There. Yeah. And and it's like and they're basically just like taking the information Richard's just tweeted and put it in there and. That yeah. one, that one. I mean, I I know that you were being, you know, like dry and British and sarcastic and shit, but that one really pisses me off because it's it's treating him like he's race radio. No, he's not a service provided by the race organisers. He's a great dude. He's fucking doing this because he loves the sport that he works in and he's trying to help people. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm massive, massive props to Bowles Dolmans who let him, who who encouraged him to do it. Jesse Braverman, who does the official Bowles Dolmans Twitter account, is also fantastic and great. But you know, my big and and, and I never want to take things away from her because she just does such amazing work. But Richard, 
he's just he goes above and beyond he's an unsung hero and i love him and i couldn't follow the sport without him um speaking of women's cycling detective club i the online detective club i love peter van der veen he's a twitterer he's not at the races but seems to have a psychic link to them like peter can find information in ways that i just don't know like he just watch twitter and you're like i swear he said something's happened before people actually at the race have done it he provides superb common tweeting like yes. just superb common yes. tweeting and adds total value so I, I i keep a live update to a list of live twitterers who are people at the race and who are also like from teams and stuff and i keep twitter in it even though he's not in the race because he's just so good and adds so much value yeah yep. and those ah oh. and, and he also does work he has an encyclopedic knowledge of the sport as well, you know, so when Sarah talks about him adding value, it's, you know, you'll get one tweet from him that'll describe the action, but also, you know, drop in a, a nugget or two of history of why that particular piece of, of activity played out that way and stuff, you know, like it, it he's fantastic. So good. Um, and he also does the start lists for Cycling Fever. And it's a joke in with his cycling races. Sometimes with some races, you only know the start list from the results of the first stage. Mm. Um, but Peter does so much work. He's the most reliable. He's just great. Fantastic. I love his work. Um, there's tons, 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 tons more tweeters out there. And, and I love you all. Um, so, you know, it's not just um, I love about that Babalia, Yolanda. Um, Alvarez I particularly love too but yeah sorry it's Richie and Peter I love the photos from VeloFocus uh, yep. VeloFocus um, Sean Robinson started the VeloFocus brand but this year it's been him and Balant Hamvas who are both yeah. race photographers who decided that they'd work together and take over the world and they have been doing which makes sense I mean Balant Hamvas uh, you, you may already know a little bit because he's been for several years now routinely producing a cyclocross photograph book of the year of the season i should say and yeah mm. yeah and they're both they're both people who started off as fans and made their own media because yeah. were, the media wasn't being created and have gone on to have full-time cycling careers and cycling media i love their work i mean they're a little bit ubiquitous like you their photos are everywhere you'll see yeah. them on ella cycling tips you'll see them on cycling news uh, you'll see them on on uh, the fantastic galleries put up by Cervelo bigler the galleries put up by canyon shram yeah. and on their own facebook but they're it's because their photos are so beautiful they're not yeah they yeah. bring an art perspective to standard race photography exactly and you know you get some breathtaking galleries you know they, they have this beautiful ability to blend the you know the the essence and the scenery and the behind the scenes of a race all together with the actual action of a race and um yeah fantastic work from Vela focus yeah and i i especially love their backstage looks mm. you know the riders before and after races um Felix Mattis, he's another person who starts off as a fan and has got a full-time job out of it. Um, Felix, he's he makes he and uh, Niels Gujrian are the people who made the 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 videos for the Women's World Tour for the UCI this year. Yep. And the whole reason we that we weren't going to get highlights videos from the UCI, but Niels spotted this and went and and basically him and basically went and put a pitch in to do it. Uh, so when you look at the beginning of the year and, and they, they you might think, oh, wow, that's that that doesn't it's like literally the first time they've done a soundtrack for it. So you know, I give them. But Felix is they're fantastic. And again, Felix 
brings an art perspective to his to his videos he's not just like he's just there's just an there's just an indefinable quality about it that makes it beautiful and so they do those videos they're the unsung heroes behind that but felix especially also goes to a lot of races off his own back and comes back with amazing videos like yep. video interviews his questions are so thoughtful and you know he really he's really he and he's got such a good rapport with the riders because you know he's been around for a couple of years now and they all know him and yeah they yeah. trust him and he's not going to ask him something stupid that's going to piss them off you know he's like a he's he's such a he's such a good bloke it's exactly. so nice and friendly and- and when you're wanting an interview where the interviewer goes a little bit deeper because they actually know the sport than just the sort of, you know, standard, you know, cover all the sports sports reporter who's like, oh, so that must have been hard or, or whatever. Felix is your guy, like, just going to... And he, and he can ask them a little... He can ask them, like, slightly cheeky questions as well mm. because he's very good at judging it. So he won't say... I mean, for example, he won't ask them, so, you know, you were really shit then, what happened? Do you remember <laughs> the one where... where, where after she won cyclocross world championship for i think the sixth time the uci reporter said to mariana voss so mariana are you killing women's cycling oh god yes yes i remember that there is no way that you any felix so he's felix mattis his video site is rad reporter um and he's he's the one on the uci channel videos oh velofocus if you go to velofocus.com um and Sean is VeloFocus on Twitter and Balan is Cycle Photos on Twitter. And I especially recommend looking at Balan's work at the moment because it's cyclocross season and he's, he's, he's in his full game. Peter van der Veen is Peter VD Veen, V-E-E-N. Rich. And my last one on the list is possibly a surprise as an unsung hero, but Rochelle Gilmore. Right. Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, um, no, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me because, I mean, Rochelle has basically been in women's cycling nonstop, um, you know, from, from when she was riding to now owning... When she was five years old, I yeah. think, she started racing. Um, you know, and now owning and running uh, Wiggle High Five, but in addition to that, doing her commentary um, and also just heaps of work to just try and advocate and be, you know... Um, a good ambassador for the sport develop her her whole goal with wiggle is to develop a uh sustainable professional setup um for women's cycling and for that to be something that helps grow the sport as a whole and it's working on top of that you know she's very generous with her time um attends all sorts of events and things um she's part of the uci women's commission (laughs) it's it's just like a i i watch what rochelle does for the sport and i'm exhausted I think no it's interesting because Rochelle cops a bit of flack sometimes. You know, some people don't like her commentary. Some, especially when you see some British teams don't like her because oh, she shouldn't be British too. And I love what she's done. She's she's run her, been running her own teams for years before yeah. Wiggle High Five. And the thing is, is yes, a lot of the stuff she does helps her brand, but it's like the commentating is stuff for the sport. You know, she does it for yeah. the sport. The UCI stuff is the stuff for the sport. She's got her eye on the long game. You know, she's all about improving the profile of, of the sport and taking new chances and bringing new sponsors in you know, she runs her te- she runs teams in britain but she sorry she runs teams at the pro tour level but she also has been running a team on the aussie domestic teams uh, on the on, on the aussie domestic squad yep. for years as well yep. she's just I, I i she works so hard for the whole sport you know when she's out at a race she is live tweeting results from the car the thing that i love about 
the, the approach is that she pays for her uh, for videos to be made, you know, for having a videographer along with the mm. team, which in a lot of cases has been the only place that we actually get to see the race from. So yeah. some years, Chongming Island, for example, I think, for, for, you know, for a couple of years, she was the only person her team was the only people out there videoing it yeah yeah and they don't just and they do mashups with other riders so there's this adorable video from i think flesh will on with um uh, uh valentina scandalara and a couple of years ago at the giro they had uh, emma pooley from another team you know kind of combining with her so it's just it's, i really love what she does and i don't think that she gets enough credit i think she's awesome and she t- faces a lot of sexism in the sport and yeah, yeah. yeah. I she's think, not the only one who runs a team, hmm. but I think when you combine everything that she does, that's awesome. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a strong nomination. I, I think that's probably going to be your most controversial one. On this category, I'm, I'm actually not even going to ask you for a favourite because I think, I think at this stage, you know, to ask you to, to distinguish between those um, would be unfair. I think you know the voting can speak for itself. I'm more than happy for us to accept other nominations from from people playing along at home. But you know, I'm not going to push you for a, a personal favourite out of these ones. I don't think. Can I give an honourable mention to Sweet Spot, who run the Aviva Women's Tour? Um, sure. They 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 just done so much for the sport they are they started off like they run the series in britain and they started off with like one women's uh, cycling thing and services oh and, and i also want to give them my god but they just they've they've shown i feel like i can't i've worked for them so i feel like i can't put them on my list formally you know it's like energy water, sorry, i love what energy water but i've worked for them i can't you know put them on the list but aviva women's uh, sweet spot to run the aviva women's tour and various other races are just have done so much for the sport like when they set up the aviva women's tour the france life women's tour the first year they were told that there has never been a successful standalone women's sporting event in britain yeah that that people it's not just women's cycling but people aren't interested in women's sports and with their olympic levels of crowds their amazing work on community engagement and especially on getting working to get things going on to help ordinary people get on the bikes and everyday cycling They've just been amazing. And my massive, 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 massive love goes to great Grace Metcalf and Peter Hodges, who are the PR, just geniuses, geniuses. But they have shown over and over again, especially with the Aviva Women's Tour, that everything people say is impossible about improving the sport is wrong. And I love what they do. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, moving on uh breakthrough rider of the year now this is going to be an interesting category so just just to remind everyone breakthrough rider of the year is the riders that that we think have you know had that year that's like wow yes they've arrived they've they've made their mark on the sport and they're they're ready to start climbing for the the highest of heights yeah, they're they're the riders who have 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 just have just yeah they've they've kind of come on with a bank now we'll start with the obvious one yeah, and that is Amelie Diedrichsen. This was... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, as you say, obvious, blindingly obvious. Um, you know, uh, the it's not just that she won Worlds, it's the way she won Worlds, you know. Um, but also, I, I don't want to take away from the fact that, I mean, yes, it's breakthrough category, but it's not like she's come out of nowhere, nowhere. You know, she's... Um, 
you know, been junior world champ twice. Um, three times if you include her on the, on the track. Okay, three times if you include the track. Um, you know, she's uh, she had a win in the Lotto Belgium Tour last year, didn't she? Yeah. Yep. And, and she's been know. working basically last year was her first year and she she won she was great as a junior um her first junior year was spectacular her second junior year she had an injury in the middle of it but it was spectacular because she came back and won again last so when she was like one of the hottest people to sign for her first pro year last year with bells dolmans she's mostly been in the domestiquing and learning and domestiquing yep. and learning and she doesn't hasn't got as much as much time to ride as other riders because of Bowles Dolman's issues but she was also going for the Olympics on the in the Omnium I think she came fifth or sixth right. and that was off the back of her exceptional points race where she took at least three laps and was just blindingly gorgeous to watch she's only 20 years old so it's kind of like look at her go yeah yeah that's yeah. amazing what all she do in Tokyo um she won a stage. She won the first stage of the Bowls Rentals Ladies Tour, which she says she won by accident, um, and won the took the leaders' jersey. But of course, her road world becoming road world champion at twenty, she said, "I've always had it on my list. You know, I've always had it as a goal. I just didn't think I'd do it so soon." Yeah, yeah. Well, hey. I, <laughs> that is breakthrough season. It, it it's in my opinion, the very definition of breakthrough season. <laughs> but we've got some other riders who've done interesting things too. I mean, yep. Another rider who was world champion this year is Talita de Jong, a yep. young Dutch rider. She was she became a cyclocross world champion for 2016 in... Uh, way back in 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 the in the winter and she'd been she hadn't ridden the full cyclocross season because you know it's very hard to combine road and road and cyclocross and getting breaks but talita she's um let's see she's born in 1993 she's just had her birthday so that makes her what 23 god i can't do math so she's yeah so she's oh my god i'm probably old enough to be her mum um (laughs) Oh God! Well, yes, but if you if you'd been like a a very young mum, so uh, yeah. um, she's so Talita de Young. She was she wasn't. It's not so much that she was a surprise cyclocross world champion winner. She's been fantastic. It's just that there are some other bigger names who are racing against her. You know, like yeah. Sanna Kant, like Katie Compton. She rode beautifully, and it was particularly lovely because there was this. Uh, Marina Voss had put up a picture that Talita had taken like years like when she was a teenager with her little sister Demi and they were being volunteers at a local cyclocross oh. at, at Hugas Haider World Cup and they had got their picture taken with Marina Voss in the rainbow jersey oh. that's too cute that's too cute so and then she is in the rainbow jersey herself just spectacular uh, but Talita the reason that I'm putting her down she had a she won a stage of the Giro Trentino but the Giro Trentino is on at the same time as the Aviva Women's Tour yep but the reason I'm pushing her down is my breakthrough and she's had other really really good you know really really good results so she she won a stage at the Giro Trentino she was fourth in a stage of fourth and sixth in the stages of Elsie Jacobs which is a really important race um, she was she was second overall at the ladies tour of norway with um a with a, with a, with a, with another with a second and a third and a fourth place in the stages she was second in the prologue of the lotto belgium tour but the reason i'm putting her down as my as my breakthrough rider is after coming second in the prologue of the giro she was she won the final stage yep 
and she won it from a breakaway big break a uh, beautiful beautiful final stage it's actually in the same area as the as trofeo binder uh, all gorgeously beautifully italian scenery and she got out into a breakaway she kept attacking and then she attacked on the last climb which is you know not what you expect from Salita because you think one <laughs> thinks of her as a sprinter and yeah and she won and it was great and Congratulations, breakthrough season to me. Nice, nice. World champions and a, and a stage the Giro. The Giro is the only women's uh, Grand Tour. It's the only women's race allowed to be over a week. So it's very special. Yep, yep, absolutely. And I've got... Um, I was going to say the the next rider that sort of really leapt out for me this year was Huang Tingying, um, the Chinese rider uh, from Taipei. The Taipei. Taipei, yeah, um, yep. right from Chinese Taipei. Yeah, I was a bit unhappy about the Tour of Chongming Islands being in the World Tour this year. I know why it is there. It's there because it gives um, a pretense of globalisation. Um, but the Tour of Chongming Island, it, Chongming Island is 80 kilometres long and maximum 18 kilometres wide. Yep. It's an pa- absolutely flat alluvial island in the Yangtze River. The highest point is the bridge that goes up to the Shanghai-Yangtze River River Bridge. Yep. So, the the and the 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 all the roads are wide roads in a grid formation. It's very it's got some very beautiful areas. It's got like a nature of this a nature reserve on it too, and some some lovely stuff. But Look, I, it's all not. All I'm going to say is that um that a rider who's done quite well at the Tour of Chongming Island recent well I guess last year now wrote a um uh, a blog post about how boring it is so yeah chloe hosking who won it this year um yeah. <laughs> but but it proved why it should be there because it gave huang tingying huang the chance to compete on the world stage so she's a rider from chinese taipei she's won stages of the late women's tour of thailand which is pretty much all were all asian riders um, she's she won the East Asian Games Road Race back in 2013. Uh, last year she was the Asian Road Race cha- Asian Road Race Champion. Um, she's ridden to Zushan Island, which has you know uh, some of the pro teams go to because yeah. it's just after uh, Tour of Chongming Island. But she was the surprise winner. But basically, when they rock up at Chongming Island. It sounds harsh, but it's true that the pro team riders aren't expecting local riders to do well. Yeah, but see, this is why I like it, and this is why I wanted her on the list, is because she surprised them on the first stage, and, you know, like... One. You can get that, yeah, and one, stage one. And everyone can pull that trick once. Like, like the next time Worlds is on a pancake-flat, deserty sprint finish course... (laughs) Good God, it'll be 100 years before that happens again. Um, well, but it. everyone will watch Emily Didrikson with Hawkeyes. But but the point is, Huang Tingying did this on stage one and then did it again on stage three. And yeah. and that's the thing to me that's like, this is a bit of a, this is a breakout thing because she's now riding with top riders in the, in, in the global peloton um, and has shown that it wasn't, you know, just her being unknown or just her being lucky the first time around. She did it twice. And literally would have won the overall if it weren't for the intermediate sprint. Yeah, she, she, Chloe Hosking won the overall by one second because, again, she'd under... Because, because on that final stage, it was Chloe Hosking and Leah Kirkman looking at each other mm. and watching each other. And 
didn't pay attention to didn't pay to pay attention to Huang, and she and she did it. And I'm really happy for her. She, she'd had like um, she'd ridden the Joe Martin stage race in the USA, and then Sylvester Futon gave her a chance to ride the Giro um, with them, yep. and she finished the Giro, which is more than most first time. Yeah wide riders can do so uh yeah i it, it actually made up for it, it it was great because it kind of showed the value of having the and it, you know yeah i like being wrong you know i like yeah. being wrong about things like this it showed the value of of having the world tour going there she was riding in a very small team like when yeah. chloe hosking won she had all of her wiggle high five teammates around her leah kirkman was racing with a fantastic um Lift plan tour you had a really strong Ali Cipollini team out there too you know they didn't have all of the big teams but that there's absolutely yeah, there were enough, enough big teams and enough big riders to to really make it very competitive I I agree completely like Chong Ming I was not at all enthusiastic coming into it because you know like Chloe said it's it's boring the course is boring the results are boring except Huang proved us all wrong this year and that's fucking amazing as far as I'm concerned and like you say I love being wrong about this shit and it, it just reminds me and I guess to a certain extent uh, any of us who, who felt that way that actually the whole point of growing and globalisation or whatever you want to call it is that it takes time for these things to start to achieve the the results that they're designed to achieve yeah 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 and it's also a reason why I don't want it to be mandated that all there's a question about mm. should some people are saying, oh, oh, teams that don't go to the world, you know, Rabo and Bowles, they, they, they're, 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 not, they're not respecting the sport by not going to Chongming. You know, people were dissing other teams for not going to the American races. But actually, I really like the fact that when it goes, when they go outside of traditional women's cycling country, I like that not all the teams go so there is a bit yeah. more space for your riders like Huang to, to shine because totally. you know it, it's, it, it's great um, we spoke about Leah Kirkman yeah. Canadian rider for Lanter, who was third overall in the uh, in, in the in the in the tour of Island, came second on two stages she's one of my breakthrough riders yep yep okay because like a lot, she's Canadian, and she's still she's you know she's 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 twenty six, so she's twenty five for most of the year, and she's mostly been based in in North American based teams, um, USA based teams, uh, with for the last four years being an Optum presented by Care Benefit Strategies, and so she's had a fantastic career racing in the USA, some really some amazing results in Canada. In 2014, she was the Canadian road race, ITT and crit champion all in the same weekend. And she's had good, third in, in the first La Course by, by, by the Tour de France. But she does that thing that America, that North American riders do where she's never had a full season in Europe. And that means that, you can't really learn how to race in Europe properly until you're here. You know, like you have to learn to, the roads in North America are much wider than the roads in Europe because, you know, the roads in Europe were, were first built, you know, first, first put down like 500,000 years ago, you know, um, they're very narrow because most towns and villages were built before cars, you know, so it's, 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 it's an interesting thing trying to come over, but, Kirkman had her first uh, full season in Europe racing for Lufthansa and she just 
rocked it. Like, just fantastic. She's fourth in Het Noisblad, second in Omloop van Het Hageland, which is Teltwinger. And then she won her first European UCI race, the Drenser Acht. Wow. Uh, you look at where she came in the classics, and she was 10th in Strale, 10th in Drenta, 13th at Binder, and 7th in Gent-Wevelgem. She was on the podium of the uh, of the, of of, Chong, of Chongming Islands. She was she was on the podium of the stage. She was second in stage four of the Aviva Women's Tour, and then she rode her first ever Giro. Mm-hmm. Won the prologue. Yep. So yep. she was the first rider in the Malia Rosa. Yep. And that was on her birthday, wasn't it? Yeah, on her birthday and yeah. on Canada Day. <laughs> And she came eighth overall, which is just amazing for one's for a first year. Uh, Third in the Prudential Ride London, uh, sixth in Plouay, which are all world tours, uh, fifth on the stage of the Bowles Rental Ladies Tour, eleventh in Madrid Challenge, fourteenth in the Road Race. Yeah, look, that is definitely a contender for breakthrough of the year for sure. That is the breakthrough season for me. I'm that's that's my. I'm although I loved Amelia D. Yep, yeah, although okay. I love that Amalia Didrikson's win, yep. I think Leah Kirkman, for me, is my breakthrough rider. Um, my fifth rider on the list was Maria Giulia Confanlonieri, uh, Italian sprinter, yep. um, who's, she was, I think she was a junior scratch race world champion um, when she was a junior, you know, when, when she was a points, junior. Points race, I thought. Points race, yes. yes okay. Yep. Yeah. But she um, was she's, on the podium three times at the Giro Rosa. Yeah. Uh, she was fifth in the crescent in uh, when you look at where she came in other world tour world tour races she was um she was fifth in the crescent vergorda road race she was fifth in the Madrid challenge uh fourth overall in benet ladies tour uh which is a great race yep. and, yeah basically yeah, no. fantastic so those are our breakthrough definitely, riders amalia didrickson Amalia Didrikson, Mary Junior and Lonieri, Talita de Jong, Huang Tingying, Leah Kirchman. Who's yours? Uh, yeah, look, I, you make a really strong case for Leah. Uh, I have to admit, I'm really fucking torn on this category. Um, and it's partly because, like, I part of me wants to say Amalia Didrikson because her world's win was just so good. But oh, it was so good. It was so, so good. But it's really hard to say breakthrough on one excellent win you know like she did have that win at bowls rentals ladies tour which yeah, is also yeah, yeah which which is also great but like like it's not compared to some of the other riders you know and then there's part of me that wants to say huang ting ying because you know she really showed the world um you know something that we hadn't seen before which is basically the definition of breakthrough so um i i think push come to shove i have to i have to give my my vote to huang ting ying interesting yeah yeah so who else is on your short list because i've got a lot of writers on my short list oh there's so many writers though that um i mean this has been just a crazy year for for performance across the board and all sorts of things um and i've i had a lot of um i mean we we discussed this in writer of the year but i had a lot of um doubts about whether to put chloe hosking forward for writer of the year or breakthrough year you know um (laughs) and and that you know that was one that weighed heavily on me um i think i think we got that right in the end in terms of where they sit but you know it could have easily been a breakthrough year um easily her best year so uh 
Yeah, I and then there's one that well actually sort of leads into our next category in a lot of ways that um that speaking of Aussies that was in my mind and um that was uh you know watching Tiff Cromwell come back to some big wins this year you know not no that's not, you, not that would be step that would be step that yeah, would no, be, no, that that's be step up rider step up rider it wasn't breakthrough it was leading into step up rider but even then you know it didn't make that uh, in the end so yeah I I. I don't know who else. Who else have you got that like? Who's your honourable mentions? So my honourable mentions. Uh, I loved watching Rihanna Marcus ride. She just attacked and attacked and attacked and attacked, and she was out in the breakaway, especially in the Giro, but all the way through the season. I really, really loved watching her her race. Rihanna Marcus is she signed for Mariana Voss's Fortitude team next year. Uh, Nicole Hanselman, Swiss rider. She was very, very good. Uh, the rider I nearly put in and didn't because I'm not sure it counts is Susanna Anderson, right. who's the who's the uh, she's a junior. Uh, she but she's she's really been signed. She's Norwegian, so of course uh, 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 Carl Lima signed her up to our team up to Team High Tech. But she was second in stage tour of the ladies tour of Norway and fourth in stage one. Yeah, and she had some. You know, she was third and she was third in stage four of the Bolsmanshals ladies tour. And this is while she's on junior gears, people uh-huh. like against against the elites. And she uh, was ah, oh, I mean, my heart goes out to her because she was. Uh, I think I can't remember where she came in the in the, the junior world in the junior world championships ITT, but she was. Um, Oh, she was so strong. So she was, I think she was fifth. Was she fifth in the ITT? Let's see if I can work it out. Um, No, we can't find it. Can't find it off the top of my head. But she was hit by a car after the, on her way back to the hotel on her bike after the ITT. And, and she was a big, big favourite for the junior. And she she was this picture of her, like she was injured, but she still raced the junior road race and came third. But I'm thinking that because she's a junior, we can't really have her in there. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, well, I mean, that seems fair. I mean, you know... Uh, but, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, but Rihanna Marcus, uh, Nicola Hanselman, uh, and Eugenia Bujak for that win in Plouet as well, uh, and Susanna Anderson. Okay. But the but the actual top five are Huang Tingying, Talita Diong, Amelie Didrikson, Marie Julia Confandonieri, and Leah Kirkman. And if there's ever a category that I expect to get a whole lot of, oh my fucking god, I can't believe you guys forgot whatever. <laughs> it's this one. So. Please, please tell us because um yeah. Uh that's we always we always we always like feedback. I always like feedback especially, so <laughs> Fair um, enough. So step up riders, like I say, these are riders who've had their season before, their 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 big season before. They've stepped up. Now you mentioned Tiff Cromwell because um, Tiff had won a stage of the Giro Rosa way 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 back, like yeah. but she hadn't won, but she hadn't run a won a race for years, years. actually, literal years, yeah. And Since the Omelette Pet Noiseblad, uh, oh god, damn it! I want to say in two thousand and fourteen. Let's look it up. I, yeah, um, yeah, I think it was fourteen. Pretty Let's sure. just check. So, um, yeah, she won. She won a stage of the. She was this this year. She won a stage. She's been. She used to be known as a climbing type. Yeah, 2013. She hadn't won oh, a wow. race since then. Wow. Um, yeah. She used to be a kind kind of climbing, attacking, attacking. She has attacked a lot. 
Yeah. But she's kind of reinvented herself as a sprinter, and she won a sprint in and the... A bunch sprint in the Giro. So, I mean, this is the thing. I think if we had a category for comeback ride, maybe I'd have... I'd I'd have put her in, but I definitely thought of her in the step up conversation. But in the end, she, I would have she didn't make my list. Her and Hosking would have been in the comeback. Yeah, yeah. So, who is on your list? I've got five. One of them well, we've mentioned right. already. So, yes, I have to. I have to get out ahead of it. Well, actually, I think several of them we've mentioned. Actually, all of them, bar one, we've literally mentioned. Um, so that's who I'm starting off with because you know, got to get my uh, stated Aussie bias out. Uh, but for me, um, Kat Garfoot this year um, has had an excellent year, and I think it's it's been a step up of a year for her. Yeah, Kat Garfoot, if you don't know, she started off German. She uh, moved to Australia and took on Australian citizenship when she got married, and she started racing uh, in her 30s, uh, riding a, bike. By the way, great way to get Australian citizenship if, for example, you want to flee a despotic dictatorship in the US or something like that. Talk to me. Or after. UK. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, you might have to put up with the knowing about Nauru and. Um, oh, and, and, no, no, and, and, ow. And okay, fuck it. And what's being done. And, what's been... and Nigel Farage and Boris Johnson and Theresa. You went there, you did this, you turned us into a political podcast. Fuck. I'm sorry, but what's, what's, what, what's about the Abori- What about stealing water from Aboriginal peoples? You've got that too on you. Like, oh. Australia, you may not have elected Trump, but oh my God, you did have Tony Abbott, and he's the one, and I would say that Tony Abbott is the forerunner Excuse of the Farages and Excuse the Trumps. Excuse me, I think you have forgotten that every little bit of white horror and atrocity committed in this nation is your fault. <laughs> Literally, you did this. But that's but that means that you did it too. Oh, I'm not denying my. I'm not denying your 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 responsibility, our culpability. Absolutely. I mean, it's why I get so upset about it. It's why I didn't want to turn this podcast political. But let's be honest, it all has British roots, and not the fun kind. But so do you. And not the fun kind. <laughs> 2012, Kat Garth started racing in the Aussie domestic season. Um, the Aussie domestic season tends, yeah, I mean, you ride over the Aussie winter, basically, and over the Aussie summer as well, because why the fuck not? So 2011 and 2000, 2012 and 2013, she's, I think she's 31 in 2013, she did, she won the Tour of the Murray River, she won the Tour of the Goldfield, she was picked up, everyone said, wow, that's fantastic riding. So in 2014, she got to come to Europe and race, mm. ride, race things like Gracia Olivar on Van Borsolet with the Aussie national team. And the Aussie national team has very strong links to Orica AIS. They signed her on for the Giro Rosa. She came third in the Commonwealth Games ITT and third in the Corona Champenois ITT. And then last year was her first full season with or- with Orica. She yep. won the Oceania Championships. And she basically had her breakthrough season with podiums at Elsie Jacobs, uh, Emakumin Bira. She was fourth in a stage of the Giro. Well, she won she the national ITT in... title as well in the in the yeah, but that's not. And um, <laughs> then she was fourth in the world championships ITT. Yep. Now this year, she won the Aussie night ITT championships again. She won the Santos Women's Tour, which was so good to have UCI racing in Australia again. Like really, really good news. That's the Women's Tour down under, basically. Um, but my favourite Cat Garth win was uh, stage two of the Ladies Tour of Qatar. Yep. Yep. Nice um, attack out of the break to take the victory. 
Um, yeah, kind of like the world's slowest attack, but it yeah, worked. <laughs> but it worked, and so can't argue too much. Um, unfortunately, she did have a bit of illness this year, which kind of messed up her uh, schedule, and so... Yeah, she was second overall. She was eighth in Flesh Wallon. She was uh, second overall at the Festival Elsie Jacobs, which is a fantastic race. But she was sick, basically, a lot. And, when she went, and her whole goal was the Olympics, the road race in the ITT. But... When she went, she was second in the Allensteiner Rabstortage smaller stage race in June. But then she hadn't raced for nearly two months when she raced in the uh, Olympic Games. Yeah. Um, she pulled out of the road race, which she was always expected to do yep. to race the ITT. But she had a very disappointing ninth in, in the, the ITT. Yeah, yeah. But. She came back from, and you know, gutting for her. She's thirty-five, so it, she's not like you know. And maybe, Tokyo. maybe she. Well, hey, make given, Tokyo. given who who has won, you know, worlds in Tokyo, uh, in Rio for ITTs, she's quite likely a possibility for Tokyo if she wants to. Be. Yeah, but she came back. She was she won the Chrono Champenois, um yep. ITT standalone ITT, and she was and she got a World Championships bronze medal in the ITT as well. So yeah. yeah definitely definitely step up like she yep. she she she's she clearly learned a lot last year which was her breakthrough season and she stepped up again this year yeah definitely and you know hoping there's one or two more steps there for cat yeah. yeah i i now you've got me doubting myself because i put amelia Fourline on the list as a step as a step up rider yep. but now i'm thinking maybe it should, should it be come back but no i think she counts as step up rider i really enjoyed amelia Fourline this year yeah, well, I really enjoyed it this year too. I mean, what what makes you doubt yourself? Like, why are you thinking it's more a comeback than a step up? Well, it, it's because I mean, Amina Follin, her best result. She was the, she was the youngest ever Swedish rider to sign as a pro way back in two thousand and seven when she uh, two thousand and eight when she was with Columbia High Road. She was Swedish road champion, and she won some. Actually, no, I think she's definitely step up. Like, yeah. she's won. She. She's been around for a while, but and she was, but she never really. She'd won stages of the Tour de l'Ardèche in two thousand and eleven, and she'd you know got she's got good results. She's Swedish road champion in two thousand and thirteen, but she's not. She looked like she was maybe on a downward spiral, and I thought that when she went to Ali Cipollini, it it was the beginning of the end of her career. To be honest, but she spent the whole year attacking like just fun attacking and for her teammates uh, Ali Chaplin is predominantly a sprint team mm. she was the most combative she won the combative rider prize at the Aviva oh, Women's Aviva, Tour yeah. overall yep. which actually comes with a bag of money so good for her <laughs> um, she was third in stage two, two of the Turlingen run fast and she was sixth overall and oh, no, she was sixth on two other stages but then she did something that was so good in the Crescent Vagorda road race, part of the uh, part of the Women's World Tour, she was out in the break. It's a Swedish race. It's a yep. fantastic two days of two races. Uh, the the TTT, which is yep. the only women's standalone TTT in part of the World Tour as well, apart from World Championships, of course, and then the road race. Yeah. And she was in this amazing break, like that had got. She'd attacked out of it. She tried really hard to get out of it, but she was in a break with much better sprinters. So there was Maria Giulia Confandonieri, who we mentioned already. There was Amy Peters. There was Lotta Lapisto, Chantal Black, and 
much better uh, Hannah, Hannah Barnes much better sprinters than her but she again if you don't try you don't win started her sprint early won the first time a Swedish rider has won the Gorda yep super Which happy for her just, oh, well it was a great result and I mean we love that race I mean we've loved the way that race has grown over the years um and and just you know I I I don't think I could have been happier to see um, Amelia win. You know, like it's it's always a cool sort of thing when I don't know. I have this uncomfortable relationship with nationalism um, in sport in general, but then I have my own Aussie bias and and stuff. So I totally understand the value and the appeal of having a Swedish rider win Vagorda, and I thought it was just a beautiful, beautiful way the way that she won and and the fact that she won was just it was just a really nice thing all coming together yeah it was lovely um another rider who we just mentioned second in vagorda with lotta lapisto she definitely took a step up this year yeah um lotta lapisto was she 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 was always a very strong she started she started as a triathlete and then moved to cy- to cycling and she's been um uh she 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 was uh, doing her. She had this. I think she had ME or glandular fever or something. Oh, but right. she was yep. um, doing cycling um, uh, against her um, alongside her nursing her nursing degree. Yep. But she's been one of the riders to watch. She signed to Bigler when they weren't a pro when they were in the year that they weren't a pro team. Bigler used to be one of the biggest names in women's cycling teams, but in 2014, they weren't a uh, pro team, but they, they signed her and then they're like, okay. And then they kept her on when they went pro. Yep. She's been superb. So last year she was um, third in a state, third in the stage of the Viva women's tour. She won a stage at Turin run Fart. She was fourth in the course by the Sur de France. Uh, fourth in the Spartacus and Giro, which was a um, World Cup race last year. Uh, great race. Last year was her breakthrough season. But this year, she definitely stepped up, and I loved watching her. And she's totally a rider who's going to be one of the very, very best uh, sprinters in the world. Um, yeah. So her results, she won the prologue at the Immaculate Bira and was fourth on stage one. Uh, she won stage one of the festival Elsie Jacobs. She won the final stage of the Aviva Women's Tour out of the break, which was just great. Second in the course, she single-handedly got Finland a squad at the Olympic Games and the World <laughs> Championships. And she was part of she was part of the uh, bronze medal winning team in the TTT, and was third in the road race. Yeah, I think she definitely stepped up this that's, year. She's she's inarguably a step up definitely in in other years she would be down as rider of the year yeah okay I you know she'd be she better yeah, yeah. but because there have been so many good riders for rider of the year I, I, she just she missed out even on that long list yep. so yeah um next rider elena chicchini yep. uh she's um she's italian Oh, Eleanor Cicchini. I really like her. I really like the Italian riders, um, but mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that they tend to do better when they leave the Italian teams. Yes, it's it, like it's a super interesting dynamic because we hadn't seen a lot of it until. I mean, was a was it Elisa who was the first uh, sort of you know higher profile Italian rider to ride for a non-Italian team? Or? 
For many years, Italian riders were banned from riding for international teams um, if they wanted to be funded by the Italian Federation. But um, Giorgio Bronzini was allowed to not because but then Bronzini is a superstar. But yeah, Elisa Longo Borghini getting to ride for high tech changed the model. Yeah. Yeah. And we saw a lot of it. We've seen, and then, and she was like, and 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 it's and it's and it's it's kind of. We talked about Maria Giulia Confandonieri, and one of the reasons she had a breakthrough season was because she moved from Italian teams to Lenswell Zanatta. And I spoke to Elena Cicchini about this last year because she was at Lotto Sudal last year, and she said that basically the Italian way is very, very. It isn't. It's very. Um, overpowering you know they expect yep. to have your weight sent to you every day they expect to have the, the, the management they expect you to ride every day they you know whereas when you get to ride on other teams they kind of give you much more freedom and yeah. trust in yourself and yeah yep yep but i i you know i'm a i'm a massive fan of chikini she's 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 really lovely and i really like the way she talks about her racing so she became italian national champion in 2014 which is one of the hardest national championships to win but she kind of did it by accident a little bit but she said that getting that jersey made her definitely want to step up and honor that jersey and she rides a lot with elisa longo borghini they're friends and they you know so last year was her breakthrough season i'd say she became italian champion for second year in a row she won a stage at elsie jacobs um fantastic stage where the break was only just not caught on the line um she was third overall in benet ladies tour last year fourth overall in the lotto belgium tour and she had a really fantastic classic season with you know some really good top tens in strade and het noiseblad and binder and flanders uh but this year she was racing for canyon shram she was more of a domestique so her classic season wasn't as good like she was top 15 in hentwev and binder and flanders but she was fourth overall in the energy water um she was third in the stage of the aviva women's tour she was italian national champion for the third time but then on stage five of tullingen run fart she got into which is one of the toughest break women's women's stage races she got into a break uh oh no she was she was second on stage five behind mariana voss in a of a in a sprint out of a small group and then on stage six, she got into a break away with Amanda Spratt, American Spratty. Aussie they, Spratty. To get, oh, Aussie Spratty. I'm so sorry. That's terrible. They got four minutes and 39 seconds on the chase on the on the on the chase group, which included <laughs> Voss and Johansson and Van Dyke and all of those. And that was enough to take Ellen Chikini her first ever stage race win. Wow! Awesome. She was second in Plouë in the GP Plouë World Tour, oh, and then she yeah. was part of part of Canyon Strand when a uh, team that came got silver medal in the team time trial at the at the Road World Championships. And yeah, well, that's, I a, that's a rock solid that. step up. That is a rock solid step up. Your last your last step up rider though is going to be controversial, I think. Because... Can we can we include her? I you, I think you might be right. I think we might not be able to include her because yeah, I well, did put her into you, Rider of the Year. Yeah, you you added her to Rider of the Year after our last podcast, and I mean she had been in Step Up Rider of the Year. I don't know if it's fair to have her in both, but look, <laughs> let's just go over it and we'll we'll let the we'll let the audience decide. Chantal Black. Um, she's always been a really strong rider. She's a European under-23 uh, champion in the past. She's had 
various great podiums. Um, she's 27 now, so she's 26 for most of the year. Yeah. Um, that's ridiculous. Sorry. Um, she's she was she was always. You know, she's won a stage at the Amakumi Mbira before. She's won a stage at Energy Walk Tour before. She won the Samin last year. But this year was so special. Yep. She was second behind Lizzie Danen in the Oblique Pet Noise Blad. Um, and then to she the won the break at Drenther and then one from the sprint. One from the sprint in absolutely beautiful style. One with Elgen solo, so that's two World Tour stage wins. Yep. She won stage two of Energy Walk Tour. Um, she had she worked her heart out for her teammates in other races. Do you know yep, what I mean? Like yep. this is the other thing is that she was when she wasn't winning, she was working so hard for other other races, other teams. She was third in Vigorda. Um, she won. Uh, she was in part of the Bowls Rental squad, the, the TTT winning squad in the Bowls Rentals Ladies Tour, and, and course, won that, which was her first overall stage race win of her career. And then she got gold in World Championships TTT yep. and worked her heart out and attacked a lot. And, for... and then all those other minor placings too, you know, like third at Flanders and, and stuff like that. Like, oh, yeah, third at like, Flanders. Like, this is the thing for me is if 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 we had left her here, I think she would have been my top contender for, um, you know, step-up rider of the year. But... I actually think you were right to to put her up for contention for Rider of the Year. That's Rider of the Year quality, you know, results. That that is. So. Yeah. So we'll put her in Rider of the Year. So who is your step up Rider? So we've got Ellen Lechikini, Amelia Forlin, Lotta Lapisto, Catherine Garfett. All all things taken into consideration, I think for me it has to be Lotta Lapisto. I think. I mean. My heart says Eleanor Shakini mm. because I just I love the way she talks about her racing. You know, I I interviewed her last year and I said, oh, you know, you've got really better at breaks. She, yeah, you know what I did? I um I decided that Lucinda Brand always gets into the best breaks. Like <laughs> Lucinda Brand always always knows when to go. She's really clever. I really wanted to be like Lucinda Brand, so I made it my mission to to basically follow Lucinda. If Lucinda where Brand was going to be in a break, I was going to be in that break too. <laughs> There are far worse strategies. So and and but that honesty. Yeah, do you know what I mean? That yeah. honesty. She's she's really she's really. What I love about her is she's she's very. Like a lot of riders wouldn't admit that they yeah. do it, but they wouldn't admit it. And I love the fact that she talks about it. So my heart says Ellen Shakini, but I think that Lotta Lapisto should be the step up rider. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's where my vote's going anyway. Hey, look. Everyone, thank you so much for sticking with us this long. We know that it's been a bit of an epic journey to get through the rest of the categories, but we were just so excited to talk about everything with you and get you all pumped up to, to vote on the Velo Voices, um, you know, uh, final poll of, of all of these categories. So please do make sure that you uh, head over and vote. And of course, let Sarah and I know uh, who we've missed, who we forgot, why we're wrong, why we're right. Um, obviously that will be the biggest part of it why we're right but you know um, and thank you for for listening yeah um, you can go to velovoices.com i think they're starting putting up their voting posts uh on sunday daily next week but you can come to my my twitter underscore pigeons underscore i'll tell you when to do it yep we've got links to all of these riders and videos of their races and 
links to videos of other races and all of yeah, that stuff. All the background information site. that you'll need to, to be able to vote well, vote knowledgeably, and vote correctly. Um, and as always, you know, feel free to just uh, come hang out and tell us what you think at ProWomenCycling.com. Obviously, Sarah's at Pigeons underscore underscore pigeons underscore yeah. <laughs> i'm at dan w official most importantly do make sure to swing by patreon.com slash women's cycling where you can contribute monthly to uh help keep sarah in the essentials of life by which we quite literally mean caffeine free tea because you know she's hyper enough as it is <laughs> thank you very much thank you so much for listening and thank you for all the conversation i've got to say we'll we'll come back and talk a bit more about the season uh next podcast i think i've got so much more to talk about about the 2016 season so do keep an eye on the podcast but yes um yeah cheers and bye awesome thank you so much for your yeah thank you thank you for being so wonderful and thank you for being just 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 lovely